Bruce Suter, Gaylord Perry, Maury Wills, Tom Browning, Ray Ripplemeyer, John Walkenfuss, Gerald Williams, Chuck Carr, Jeff Innes. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Most of the best players in the history of Major League Baseball are no longer playing the game. Many are no longer walking on this earth. And it reminds us, Nobody is bigger than the game. I've often played a very short audio clip from Robin Yount, who is one of the best ever to play the game, in which he reminds current players, don't ever think this game is about you. No doubt it is not. Babe Ruth has long been gone and the game still goes on. Nobody is bigger than the game. However, there are things that are much bigger than baseball. Last week, the Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association put out a video tribute, and it was to all of those former Major League Baseball players who died in 2022. The video was a little bit over two minutes in length, and as the music played in the background, it went through pictures of each of the men who died. And then the video ended with these words printed on the screen. In loving memory of the baseball legends we lost in 2022. Now, by my count, there were somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 men, former Major League Baseball players, who died last year. The names that I read in the introduction were just a few of those men. And as I looked at the list and looked at the pictures, there were at least 10% of those who died last year that were men that I knew from my days in baseball fairly well, not simply just competed against them. Ray Ripplemeyer was a pitching coordinator for the Mets when I first got a job as a coach in professional baseball. Chuck Carr and Jeff Innes were my teammates when I played for the Mets. And something like this is a crystal clear reminder that life and death are far more important than the game of baseball. Already in the first, what, nine days of 2023, three former Major League players have died. Over the weekend, we learned that a current Major League Baseball player, the closer for the Chicago White Sox, Australian Liam Hendricks, has been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he will begin treatment today, if I read that correctly. Now, last week, I ended the first episode of 2023 with these words. It's time more involved with the game recognized and rejoiced in this truth. And in case you don't remember what I said prior to that or you didn't hear last week's episode, the words that I said prior to that were these. So in other words, what truth am I talking about? The truth that all things are from and through and to King Jesus. Now that podcast dropped last Monday at noon Eastern time. Later on that same day, actually Monday night, in the always good and always wise providence of God, an event occurred. And from that singular event, a major one, but nonetheless, from that singular event, many other events followed, all of which remind us of this truth. 
On Monday night, Buffalo Bills defensive back DeMar Hamlin, playing in a game in Cincinnati against the Bengals, made a tackle. Just like he's done maybe, who knows, hundreds of times. And then he stood up and then collapsed with cardiac arrest. At that moment, for all of those that were on the field, players, coaches, and the like, those in the stands, those watching, at that moment, the significance of a football game, even a football game with playoff implications, ramifications, became moot. A man's life was on the line. Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, called his team together right there, right on the spot, on the field, to pray for DeMar. And then after the event, through the days that followed, people from all walks of life in the sports world and beyond spoke or wrote or tweeted or whatever the case may be that they were praying for DeMar Hamlin. It included active and retired NFL players. It included the defensive line coach at the University of Pittsburgh, which is where DeMar played his collegiate football. It included those from the NBA, politicians, and a former guest in the bullpen, Brent Suter. And again and again, we heard or read the refrain, which happens a lot. Our thoughts and prayers are with, in this case, are with or for DeMar and his family. But something also happened that is very uncommon. And it took place the next day. And it took place on ESPN's NFL Live. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. We will continue to cover this story. We'll continue to bring you all the updates that we have. And as usual, we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. I'll just reiterate how secondary football is in all of this. We are thinking and praying, as you've seen here, for DeMar Hamlin and his family and truly hoping for some better news. So that prayer was offered by a former NFL player and one of the co-hosts of NFL Live, That prayer was offered live. That prayer was offered on ESPN. And the man that made that prayer that petitioned the Lord was Dan Orlovsky. He did more than say our thoughts and prayers. He prayed. The love, the conviction, and the courage demonstrated by Dan Orlovsky should both humble and encourage us all. 
Now, the male co-host that you heard saying it is, meaning it's the right thing to do to pray here for DeMar, is another former NFL player, Marcus Spears. The female co-host is Laura Rutledge. She is the one who said, I'll just reiterate how secondary football is in all of this. Now, Pastor Ben Zorns tweeted this out about what took place on ESPN. A prayer was just offered on ESPN. One day, that will be a daily occurrence on every network, and they will be offered in Jesus' name. Now, it's possible that your eschatology doesn't allow you to believe that statement from Pastor Zorns. If that's the case, I would encourage you to continue diligently searching the scriptures to see if these things are so. But despite your eschatology, I have a question. Is that what you want to see? Would you rejoice in seeing daily on every network prayers being made and being made in Jesus' name? And if you can't immediately answer that with a resounding yes and amen, you need to search yourself. Now, over the past week, this incident has continued in the news in multiple ways by multiple people. And Christians have taken the opportunity to declare Christ and his gospel through these events. You think that a man praying on ESPN is a lot, and it is. Another man, and another former NFL player, Benjamin Watson, spoke on CNN to Anderson Cooper. And this is what he said. Where do our hearts stand? If that were to be us laying on the field, or if that were to be us laying in a hospital, what would our next steps be? And so on the flip side, with such a tragic event, there is tremendous opportunity. Uh, Part of my prayers right now, Anderson, is for the players in both of those locker rooms, for the chaplains, who I know very well, who are right now uh, counseling and comforting players who saw a brother in a near-death experience and who was still fighting for his life. Because the questions about what happens after this life, where will you spend eternity, as you mentioned, Anderson, are coming up for all of us, not just for the football players, but thank God that he provides an answer through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm. Now that's what I'm talking about. That right there, that is outstanding. And things like that have been taking place over the last week. And Damar Hamlin has made vast improvements. And, and it you know sometimes it's too early, again, in the providence of God, But humanly speaking, it appears that he will live and be fine. Whether he'll play football again or not, we don't know that. But it appears he will live and he will recover from this cardiac arrest. Here's something else about this story. And remember whose story it is. So on that play, which was last Monday night, a week ago, the tackle is made, DeMar Hamlin stands up, he falls to the ground in cardiac arrest, and that game is postponed. It's the last play. The very next play that the Buffalo Bills run took place yesterday. And the play was the opening kickoff in their game against the Patriots. The Patriots kick off to the Bills, and the Buffalo Bills return the kickoff 95 or 96 yards for a touchdown. The the next play after what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Even the most strident of so-called atheists, even the agnostics, have got to say, That's very curious. Christians know, however, that it is far more than curious. It is God giving an exclamation point to this story that he is telling. 
and the the podcast or the broadcast I listened to, the announcers were just they were they were they were just they could hardly speak. What a storybook play! Well, that's because God is writing this story. Now I've said a lot about football in a baseball podcast, but even though it's a different sport, and football is not the greatest sport on planet Earth as baseball, it is. It's still the same bottom line. For that matter, it's the same bottom line, whether we're talking about professional sports, amateur sports, or any area of life. And that is this. Those who name the name of Christ are to speak and act in a way that brings glory to God, including in situations that can be very difficult. Dan Orlovsky, it may have been going through his mind. I'm praying live on ESPN. This could cost me my job. Benjamin Watson, I'm saying this to a person who is outwardly homosexual on a network that hates Christ, but I'm going to declare, to declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take you back. We're going to go back to baseball now. Take you back to a life-and-death situation for a Major League Baseball pitcher, and this is decades ago. And it's a story of tragedy and triumph, greater tragedy and greater triumph. Although I shouldn't use the word tragedy, I do believe what Dr. John Gershner says, that in the life of a believer, there is no such thing as tragedy. And this man who experienced these things is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Becky rehabbed in the minors, and on August 10th, 1989, he made his well-publicized return to the majors, earning a win over the Cincinnati Reds. But just five days later, Dravecki threw what was referred to as the pitch heard round the world. Dravecki gives him a look. Here's the pitch to the plate, and it goes all the way to the screen. Dravecki falls down and grabs his left shoulder, and he is hurting. Dravecki is hurt badly. When I was laying on the ground, um, with a broken arm in Montreal, um, all I could think was, there is something bigger than baseball that's going on in my life. Now you, especially if you are younger, may be unfamiliar with that story, but it was a huge story in the summer of 1989. As you heard there, Dave Dravecki rehabbed and came back and pitched a game in San Francisco at Candlestick Park against the Reds, and you hear the the sound of the crowd when the game is over and Dravecki gets the win. And then you heard five days later, the Giants are now in Montreal, he throws the pitch, it goes wild, and his arm broke. Now, the backdrop is that Dave Dravecki was diagnosed with cancer in his left arm. He was a left-handed pitcher. And he was told by the doctors, you will never pitch again. And he said, we'll see about that. And he went through the grueling process of coming back to pitch. 
And this is very personal to me because his rehab prior to going back to San Francisco and pitching with the San Francisco Giants was with the San Jose Giants. At that time, the high A-ball team for the San Francisco Giants. And because we were less than an hour down the road, it was a good place to rehab. I was a member of that 1989 San Jose Giants team. And I saw Dave Dervecki pitch his first game, not big league game, but his first game in Stockton, California against the Brewers, Class A affiliate. And then his second rehab assignment in Reno, Nevada. I got to witness the comeback. I got to be around the man. I got to experience his kindness and his goodness to a bunch of A-ball players. And then we had the events that we heard in that audio. And I hope you didn't miss it. In that audio, you hear Dave Dravecki talking about laying on that turf field in Montreal, saying that as he was lying there in pain, he said, there is something bigger than baseball that's going on in my life. He saw it. Here's the thing. That is always true. And it is always true for everybody. We might miss it. We might deny it, but that is the case. Now, my desire, and the major reason that I do this podcast, is to help us all appreciate and be thankful for the wonderful gift that we have from God, and that is the game of baseball. But with that, I especially desire to declare the greater gift than the game of baseball, or any other gift, the gift of salvation in and through Jesus Christ, the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want in this podcast to exhort all believers, in the game or not, to do all things to the glory of God. Play the game to the glory of God. Watch the game to the glory of God. Report on the game to the glory of God. Whether you're involved or not, do all things to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, to do all things to the glory of God. And if this game, the greatest game on earth, baseball, or any other game for that matter, is secondary to life and death, and it most certainly is, then how much more is even life and death secondary to heaven and hell? And Benjamin Watson made that point to Anderson Cooper on CNN. The difference between being an enemy of the triune God and enduring his wrath eternally in hell, or being engulfed in the perfect bond of love and unity between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through faith in Christ Jesus and living forever in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, much has gone on, even in the last week, even though we're still in the offseason, in baseball. One of the things that took place over the weekend was the ABCA convention in Nashville. And you may not be familiar with the ABCA convention, but it happens every year in January. There were somewhere in the neighborhood of 8,000 people attending this convention. And I don't know this for a fact, but it may be the largest gathering of baseball people that takes place throughout any year that is not taking place at a stadium. Also, on Friday, we learned that the Los Angeles Dodgers are not going to retain the rights to Trevor Bauer. They're going to let him go. They're going to cut ties. I don't think that is a surprise to anybody. Now the question is, will any team, any of the 29 teams, sign him? All they have to do if they sign him is pay him Major League Minimum. We'll have to wait and see. Front office news that I find interesting. The New York Yankees made two hires over the last week. Two former GMs, one who won three World Series as a GM. They have hired Brian Sabian, who began his professional baseball career in scouting with the Yankees. 
And then also Omar Manaya, who was at one time the GM for the New York Mets. Rafael Devers in the Boston Red Sox this past week agreed to a massive contract. In the past week, we still don't know what's going to happen with Carlos Correa. And as I mentioned, just in the last couple of days, we've learned of Liam Hendricks being diagnosed with cancer. Now, compare what's gone on with DeMar Hamlin and these opening words of a statement released by the White Sox about Liam Hendricks. It reads, Our thoughts and reactions at this time are for Liam the person. What a far far cry that is, even from the generic our thoughts and prayers, let alone the actual praying for Liam Hendricks. We should pray for him. We should pray life and death, because he has cancer. More importantly, eternal life and eternal death, because to my knowledge, he does not make any profession of following the Lord Jesus Christ. But even as big as these stories are in the game and in life, they are all very secondary. And so that makes me think and ask about, as we're getting prepared, as we're getting excited for the beginning of another baseball season, and in particular, Major League Baseball championship season, I wonder how many of those who profess to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in the game at all levels, but especially at Major League level, all positions, players, coach, manager, GM, whatever it might be, how many will in 2023 speak and act both on and off the field with love and conviction and courage. It's a new year. Will we see a new approach to these things in the game? And I ask this question because since I started this podcast, and well before that, but especially since I've paid more attention to what's going on in some other ways in the game, I think back to how many people in Major League Baseball, including a number of those who I know profess to be faith in Jesus Christ, were very visible and very vocal about what happened to George Floyd. How many of them, and again, including professing Christians, wore BLM t-shirts? And it makes me say, well, wait a second. Why are there not people, Christian and not, but especially Christian, that are not that vocal and visible about something like abortion? Why don't I see anybody wearing abortion is murder t-shirts or end abortion now t-shirts? just in the clubhouse, let alone on the field. By far, the leading cause of death worldwide is abortion. Over 40% of the deaths, 44 million. And it is indeed murder. Where is the outrage? Where is the love to declare what is going on here? Also, June, again, will present another opportunity to speak and act in love with conviction and courage regarding so-called Pride Month and the so-called Pride Days or Pride Nights that take place in professional baseball. Will Christians speak and act in love to and about the LBGTQ plus community? Give me a hypothetical situation here. Part of it will be true and, and biographical. Let's say I'm an active Major League Baseball pitcher right now, and I was drafted by the San Francisco Giants, and I came up through the San Francisco Giants minor league system, and now I'm a big league pitcher. And next month, I report to spring training. And I have a friend on the team who's a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I have a friend on the team who's a Christian. We have come up from the lowest levels of the minor league together, minor leagues together, and we've come up through all of those levels, and then we've played in the big leagues together. And we've known each other for oh, eight, nine, ten years. And my friend who's a believer likes me. 
He likes the fact that I am an honest person. I'm going to speak what I truly believe. And he appreciates that. He likes me because I'm a hard worker. And he appreciates that. I'm a tenacious competitor. I'm a great teammate. All of these things he likes about me. He appreciates about me. And so in that sense, he calls me his friend. But I show up to spring training. And a reporter comes to me in my locker and just asks me a question. And I say, you know, I just want to tell you, you're going to be the first to know that I identify as a woman. I want to be referred to as she and her. I do not long, no, no longer want to be called Mark Dewey, but Marsha Dewey. And then as an aside, I just kind of throw in, you know, just to kind of calm some people down. I'm also lesbian, so the things with my wife are fine. And then my friend, my Christian friend, my teammate, hears about it. And of course, a reporter, a lot of reporters are going to run to him and say, what do you think about this? What if he says to them, Mark Dewey is a friend. I appreciate so many things about Mark Dewey, and I love Mark Dewey. And because I love Mark Dewey, I just want you all to know I am praying for Mark Dewey. I'm praying that he would recognize the sinfulness of his thoughts and actions, that he would repent of them, and that he would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And by the way, I'm not just starting to pray that way now. I've been praying that way since I met him. But now I'm going to pray that way about this particular incident. How would that go over? Would that be making its rounds with all sorts of applause in social media, on major media? I don't think so. Now, I need your help. I'm not great with social media. And, and by that, I mean I'm not great in handling, but also I, I can't figure out how to follow everything going on all over the place. But I will say this. I never had Twitter until this podcast started, and I was encouraged to get it. So I've been on it now, what, three years. And here's what I don't see. I don't see much coming out of Major League Baseball, again, regardless of level from minor leagues to major leagues, regardless of position, player, coach, whatever, that is explicitly, lovingly Christian and biblical. I tell you what I do see. I see a lot of moralistic, therapeutic deism, a bunch of worthless drivel. Now, Pastor Tom Buck tweeted this out. Affirming people in their sin is not being a friend to sinners. You're their enemy, assisting in their eternal damnation, and perhaps your own. Christians need to take those words to heart. Letting others, affirming others in their sin is not being a friend, and it's not being loving. It's hateful. It's encouraging them to continue on their way to eternal damnation. And affirming such things doesn't come simply by participating in them, condoning them, even celebrating them, but it comes with silence as well, when we know better and we don't say anything. Yet another tweet from another pastor, Eric Reed. He tweeted, One of the big aha moments from the DeMar Hamlin ordeal is how many people of faith are in media and sports than anyone realized but they feel pressure not to talk about it until tragedy happens. Imagine if we all talked about this, talked about things this freely, and then he put a video of Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, in a press conference a few days after the event that took place on Monday Night Football, and in that, Sean McDermott gave glory to God. I read posts that are sent out by Richard Sandlin. And the one he sent out on Thursday was titled, titled Iconoclast. And he says an iconoclast is an idol breaker. 
and he refers to Moses and the Apostle John, and then he writes these words. Anything or anyone put before or set alongside God is an idol and must go. And it need not be evil itself. In fact, it may be something scriptural and spiritual. You know, like Isaac. And then I love how he concludes or signs his uh, post by an aged saint. So my question to those of you that are listening, that are involved at any level in any position in Major League Baseball, is what idol of yours needs toppling? It appears to me that the idol that needs toppling among those in Major League Baseball, and again, at all levels, all positions, is personal peace and affluence. The idol of wanting to be liked by everybody. The idol of wanting to avoid controversy, of being called bad names, possibly of losing my job. And this idol is so big that we do it even when we recognize that obedience to King Jesus demands us speaking and acting in a way that brings about this persecution for his sake. So if you are involved in Major League Baseball, or if you know someone who is, the question is this, or the question I would encourage you to ask your friend is this, who are you serving? As I told you before, I believe Major League Baseball is a microcosm of our culture. So I trust that you recognize that this message isn't only for those in and around Major League Baseball, but it's a message for you and me as well. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.